1: Hey, welcome. I was trying to get some audio from the computer and it is not working unfortunately. I'm going to just going to give bear with me for Oh, here it is. There we go. 212,
2: 212, 212, 212, 212, and today 212. House 112 House Democrats stand united behind our leader because Hakeem Jeffries stands united for the American people.
1: That was Massachusetts Congresswoman and House Minority Whip, at least she should be at some point House Minority Whip because she's I I think technically not even a congresswoman at this juncture despite the fact that she's served in Congress for about 10 years now. Catherine Clark. Catherine Clark uh, has um, was one of the uh, along with Hakeem Jeffries one of the new leaders of the uh, of the Democratic Caucus in house in the in the house. She represents uh, Boston Suburbs I believe she is from Malden or Melrose, but um, she represents uh, the Boston sub, some of the Boston suburbs in Congress. Again, uh, that was her making a point on the house floor uh, earlier. That's from her official Instagram account. That's her making a point on the house floor earlier that the democratic caucus Has is united behind their leadership and clear in the direction that they want to go in. And, you know, it's to make that point that the Republicans, the House Republican caucus, is not. And that's because, of course, we are, last I checked, 10 votes in and still have not... Uh, The House Republican Caucus have not agreed on a speaker. Kevin McCarthy, I think, is still plateaued at 202 votes out of 224, I think, 222. And they still um, and he needs 218 in order to become speaker. You need a simple majority and you can't it can't be a plurality but if it were a plurality hakeem jeffries actually would be the speaker because he is currently still getting more votes than for to be speaker than kevin mccarthy so welcome to south coast tonight i'm marcus farrow 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening We've got a really jam-packed show ahead for you this evening. At 8 o'clock, we're going to be joined by Dana Ribeiro from Vineyard Wind. She's going to be talking about another uh, uh, jobs fair that they're holding. I remember she was here last time with with, uh, Mr. Kent, and they'll be back at 8 o'clock. So looking forward to speaking with her and uh, the opportunities that Vineyard Wind is looking forward to bringing here in New Bedford and in the South Coast more broadly, um, obviously offshore wind. They're aiming, Mayor Mitchell's been part of uh, Mayor Mitchell's plan, Congressman Keating's plan, plan, Congressman Auchincloss, and really the whole, um, the entire really Massachusetts delegation, including Senators Warren and Markey, uh, governor outgoing, now former Governor Baker actually, and uh, newly inaugurated Governor Moore Healy and newly lieutenant, uh, inaugurated Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll, now part of their plans as well. So 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app chat. Uh, so Dana Ribeiro is joining us at 8.05 or 8 o'clock, you know, five-minute five minute news break. Adam Bass will be calling in sometime later in the 8 o'clock hour, about 830 probably Adam Bass is actually covering the inauguration up in Boston. More Healy and Kim Driscoll were sworn in today in the State House formally, but of course they're having an inaugural celebration at the TD Garden home of the Celtics and Bruins and it is uh, pays sort of homage to More Healy and Kim Driscoll's uh, you know career as co- uh, collegiate basketball players. Um so and it's called uh, what did I say did I say what it was, it was called moving the ball forward uh Governor Healy had over the past week made stops across the commonwealth as part of a sort of a pre-inaugural celebration. Uh she was in Taunton. I got to talk to her for a little bit in Taunton and along with uh, the rest of the media that was there and uh, as well as may, uh, now Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll. And uh, I'll play some of that audio for me, for you for yesterday. I do have some of that uh, on wbsm.com an article I recently wrote. I also have a article out that just came out a little bit ago, just before I came on air. Uh, it is a profile on Ward Three City Council candidate Carmen Amaral. Carmen Amaral, uh is going to, uh, is uh, an educator, an immigrant, and I thought had a really compelling story um, that she shared with us when she was when she joined me last week. And so I, you know did my best to give a succinct narrative um, you know, of that story and talk about some of the issues she's looking to focus on if she's elected to the Ward 3 City Council. We have most of the candidates have joined me for a half hour interview. Uh, some of the candidates have, you know, at the beginning of the at the beginning of the race, I had said, you know, some candidates can, if any candidate that wants to make an announcement here on South Coast tonight, and I believe three of them did, Jake Ventura, Robert Bromley, and uh, Robert Cabral, can make an announcement of their candidacy here on South Coast tonight. And then they can also come in for a half-hour interview. So Jake Ventura's—he uh, uh, it. he's the first to make his announcement here on South Coast tonight. He's going to be coming in for a half-hour interd- interview, uh, which may wrap things up on that end sometime Next week, we're looking to we're looking to get uh, Jake in studio. But you can check out that uh, that profile on on Carmen Amaral. You can check out the audio uh, of the interview as well, which is in the which is in the article uh, at the bottom. I like to put the full audio in there too, in case people really want to get the full breadth of the interview. And I think uh, it's worth listening to. Again, I, I was really impressed by uh, by Carmen's um, presentation. or her story and her her platform as as um um in Ward three. So Adam, yeah. So Adam Bass will be joining us at eight thirty. At nine o'clock, we're going to be joined by Ward one city councilor in New Bedford, Brad Markey. Brad Markey texted me yesterday actually while I was on air because I had texted a few city councilors. Uh, one had gotten back to me. Um, uh, Brad, then Brad Markey had gotten back to me later. And said he'd like to join me this evening to talk about the pay raise vote. Which, if you're not familiar with, we've been talking about it a lot here. Uh, I know Tim and you know Tim Barry, Phil. The, the day programming has been talking about it a lot as well. I know it was covered on Jess's show last week too. Um, and it was a vote by the New Bedford City Council to raise, uh, you know, to raise a uh, uh, to approve much needed pay raises. For a group of city employees classified as Unit C, which are, um, from my understanding, non-union employees, and but there were three particular pay raises that were, while most pay raises were one or two, uh, one or two levels above where they were at, these these three particular pay raises were about forty to fifty thousand uh, dollars higher than they initially were, so about five or six steps uh, above. Where they're originally at and there hadn't seemed to be a satisfactory at least from what we're hearing from people that are messaging people that are calling uh to these programs so all these programs hadn't seemed to be a satisfactory reasoning behind those pay increases and i think uh it's a lot of people uh it has raised alarm so i'm really grateful that uh ward one city council brad markey is going to be on to, to discuss that with me and uh, we're, I'll be taking your calls throughout the evening at 508-996-0500. Again, Brad Markey will be joining me at nine zero five. So we'll, we'll, I'm looking forward to talking with him then. And uh, so 508-996-0500. Then we can talk a little bit about some of the dynamics. I think Jack Spillane covered it in the um, in the in his recent article about uh, some of the relation the some of the tensions that have been going on in the city council and Naomi Carney is going to be joining me on Monday and, and Chris on Monday to talk about the what we've been covering for a while is the walkout by city Councilor Pereira and city Councilor Burgo in a meeting that Kearney, Councilor Carney was presiding over as the chair of the appointments and briefings which forced the meeting to adjourn because of a lack of quorum and the um the the uh, and Counselor Burgo had joined us for an hour in studio, took calls and dis- and told us why he had de- he had decided to walk out, and he and Councillor Perez had decided to walk out and because they felt as though that meeting was put on at a bad time on purpose to um, uh, impact votes for critically important boards and commission meetings. So I've talked to Naomi. Um throughout the last couple of weeks, obviously, the holidays happened and all of that, you know, you had Christmas, New Year's. And so all that after the holiday, we'll get to it after the holiday stuff that we've all been talking about, that I've been talking about. We're at that point where we're, we're getting to it. So Naomi Carney will join us on Monday, but Brad Mark, you'll be joining us tonight at nine. I'll be joined by you, of course, always at 508 996 0500, and I'll be joined by you on the WBSM app chat. But I wanted to start the program with probably the biggest thing going on, and I wanted to give it a more uh, kind of a localized perspective, and that is the ongoing saga to nominate, to, to uh, select Kevin McCarthy as, or I guess, to not select Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. We talked about it quite a bit yesterday. A lot of people had their inputs uh, in it. We had a lot of callers talk about, you know, why they thought it was bad, why they thought it was good, what they think of Kevin McCarthy. And so I've been looking at sort of how the Massachusetts delegation has responded. That audio clip I had played where uh, Catherine uh, Clark had said 212 uh, a number of times, that was... That repetition was her reading the record of how many times Hakeem Jeffries had been unanimously selected as the speaker of the House. Hakeem Jeffries is a congressman from New York, uh, an ascendant figure in the Democratic Party, and was basically selected to take over for uh, House leadership after Nancy Pelosi had uh, stepped down. And, and Catherine Clark is taking the position that Steny Hoyer, a congressman from Maryland, had taken before they they had been clear about how they wanted to move the party in that direction and the Republicans, most of them, but not all of them, not enough of them have been, have not been as clear on how they want to move forward with their newly minted house majority. If that house majority ever gets realized, because right now we're in a position that, Everybody's technically a rep-elect. They can't get sworn in. And if they can't get sworn in, they can't select committees. If they can't select committees, they can't get to work, right? They can't get to work crafting legislation, right? Maybe starting their special select m- committees. I know the House commi- House Republicans want to look into the Hunter Biden situation. Since they're majority, that's their right. But they're not going to be able to do that if... They can't decide who's going to lead them. You know, after the program, I went home. I was watching uh, Stephanie Rule, who has the 11 o'clock hour show on MSNBC, and Lauren Boebert was on. And Boebert was... It was interesting. Lauren Boebert's a congresswoman from California. She's a, not California, Colorado, Colorado 3rd District to be exact. She's a well-known national figure now, kind of seen, you know, the, I think people on the left see her as more of a carnival barker. I would would be, I would tend to agree she's a carnival barker. She's one of those people that wanted to bring guns, you know, she wanted to carry her gun around in the Capitol. That's, that's, that's Lauren Boebert. I think she owned a chain of um, restaurants that had some, like, varying you know, serious health code violations. But she had said that she's not supporting Kevin McCarthy and that she'll never support Kevin McCarthy. And she also said that she's not supporting Steve Scalise, who would be second in line. She said, I can't support anybody in leadership right now. And they're saying that there's important issues that they want to get out. The the border bill, uh, which not entirely, you know, the border bill which they want to propose, which... Frankly, I think whatever version of the border bill that's going to be proposed by you know, people of the ideological mold of Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert probably won't see the light of day in terms of having any hope of passing. Now, of course, it's important to get legislation on the floor to present your ideas and to have it on the record. It's not necessarily a waste of time, but if they're going to get immigration, meaningful immigration reform passed they're going to need to do a better job at that. And if the Republicans can't select who they want to lead them right now, if Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, Chip Roy and the rest of the 20 Republicans that are holding out on Kevin McCarthy continue to do so, I think they're I think they're showing how probably the more extreme ideological elements of the Republican Party are going to hold the entire party hostage for the most part the entire republican party hostage they're basically holding the entire house hostage right now they're what they are what's standing in the way between the house actually being the house because again nobody's been sworn in yet or not and i believe after the 10th ballot This is the first time in 167 years that a Speaker of the House has not been selected to after 10 ballots. So really, truly a historic moment here in the House and not one that I think and not a historic moment, but not a proud moment, I think, for a lot of people, especially, of course, for Kevin McCarthy. But I think more broadly for the for the Republican Party, Donald Trump has come out and said that he, he wants Kevin McCarthy to be speaker, he said, well, you know, what's funny is he said, send Nancy Pelosi back to uh, broken California. Funny for two reasons. Nancy Pelosi has already bowed out, uh, bowed out of House leadership as she had actually promised to do four years ago. And Kevin McCarthy is, of course, a representative from California, from California's delegation. Also, without some key Republican pickups in California, they don't actually have the House majority. They needed some of those pickups in California. Actually, I know for, I, I'm pretty sure, I don't know this, I'm pretty sure that Trump got more total votes in California than in any other state in 2016. I'm not sure about 2020, but I know in 2016, Donald Trump got more votes from any other state in the, in the entire country, got him from California. But 508 five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. So the other thing I wanted to, but again, bringing that back to, to localizing the issue, that was Catherine Clark. I also was reading. You know, I wanted to see how I wanted to see how um, how the members of our delegation, the people that are representing us specifically in Massachusetts are responding to this. Congressman Keating had a tweet uh, a couple days ago. It says waiting while the speaker nominee scrambles to be a captain of a pirate ship with a crew that is already planning his mutiny, which I think is a pretty succinct uh, way to describe what exactly is happening here. So basically they, the, the house, one of the concessions Kevin McCarthy needs to make, and it's going to make him, the the weakest speaker in recent memory, the weakest speaker of the House in recent memory, is is bringing back a rule that would allow five members of the uh, five members of the House to basically propose a motion that would get that could get him kicked out of the role of Speaker and replaced with a new Speaker. So. They are quite literally, he's making a deal with people who are absolutely planning to oust him as Speaker the moment he doesn't do exactly what they want, which is inevitable. Part of having a leadership role, and I'm not going to defend Kevin McCarthy, I don't think he's a great person, I don't think he'll be a great Speaker, but I don't think anybody in that entire caucus would be a great Speaker. But one of the one of the reasons... They're proposing that is because they're already look they're already going to plan to kick him out as soon as they don't put out he doesn't put forward the exact border bill they want, as soon as he might agree to raise the debt ceiling, as soon as he might agree to, I don't know, present a budget that would fund the government after the next nine or so months. I think that's when you'll see them try to ouster Kevin McCarthy. So it doesn't bode well for the for their governance that they're unable to pick an actual leader now. And that person is going to be, if it's Kevin McCarthy, which I'm pretty sure it's going to be. I think a lot of people are pretty sure it's going to be Kevin McCarthy seems to be sure it's going to be, but a lot of people. Um, but, uh, basically he's going to be, he's going to be, um, basically held hostage by about 20 or so Republicans. They're using their leverage to, they're using a position of leverage being an absolute minority of not just the entire house, overwhelmingly 20 out of what, 438, 38 or so people, 435, 435 people. an absolute minority of their own caucus, they're going to decide the agenda of the day if he takes over. And I don't know how the American people respond to that. And I heard Taylor Cormier uh, was was, um, at the end of the, uh, I always, of course, I always listen to Howie Carr. It's a lead into our program. I hope you're listening too. I was listening to Taylor Cormier uh, play the clip of the, uh, one of the congressmen who had said, that they nominated Donald Trump. Now you don't actually have to be a member of Congress to be the speaker of the house, right? You don't actually have to be a member of Congress to be the speaker of the house. But, and I played that clip of that congressman, which is, you know, I guess entertaining, or if you like Donald Trump, you're probably like, that's awesome. Or that's great. That's really cool. I think the problem is though, is that Donald Trump is one of the reasons why this debacle is happening because they probably should have had a bigger majority than they've had. Historically, they would have. It's. I think it's the, the Democrats have the best performance midterm performance of any pow, uh, party that held the White House in about an over half a century. And it's because people are, I think, summarily – most of the American public at least, summarily rebuffing the presidency of Donald Trump. So 508-996-0500. I, tell you what, I see some calls line. i got to take this quick break, and when we get back, we'll get to those calls. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus.
0: Listen to us live anyway. Marcus Farrell, this is
1: South Coast Tonight. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. Let's go to the phones. Good evening.
3: Hey, good evening, Marcus. How's it going? So uh, they always say uh, politics makes strange bedfellows. So w- how crazy is this? How about the uh, the two Congress uh, members in our listening area, uh, Keating and Alkencloss, what if they were to uh, make a deal with Kevin McCarthy and, um, and and support him and, you know, cut out the uh, intransigent uh, Republicans? And then, jeez. Maybe they could cut a deal like we'll, we'll pay for the, uh, the you know the bridges across the Cape Cod Canal.
1: Um. So, well, but, you know, I put the constituents first. Yeah, I. Party. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that first of all, they need more than those two guys. Uh, they
3: well, so I, I, yeah, but I'm just saying that if if if, they, if he could uh, peel off a couple of uh, Democrats. Yeah. He could he could bypass that uh, Republican and seat.
1: Yeah, you, you know I think they'd probably I think any Democrat that's willing to switch sides would uh, to vote for Kevin McCarthy would be would have to be willing to do one of two things: one, uh, forever doom them in getting any major chairmanship or leadership position in the House, uh, which definitely helps your constituents if you can if you can if you can secure one of those. Um, to trust Kevin McCarthy to come uh, to to come through for them, um, and three re- and deliver three deliver on those issues because I think you know any any Democrat in Massachusetts that's going to bargain with Kevin McCarthy to give him the gavel and and basically have him at some uh, seed leader you know seed leadership to. The probably more extreme elements in his party, they would they would really have to deliver in a big way, otherwise they'd be facing a primary challenge and likely a successful one. Uh, especially, especially I mean, class ran unopposed. I think he's doing a great job, but he's in the Boston suburbs too. He would, um, he he, you know, he has the Boston suburbs in his district. I'm sure there would be some strong, more left leaning candidates that would uh, that would that would balk at that and, and run against him.
3: Yeah, it's it, it just a thought. I, you know, uh, it would be an interesting way to. Uh, you know, we, we all talk about working across the aisle, but it, mm. it, it's really just lip service. But it, it would be an interesting way to. Uh, it's it's stymie the extremists on, on, but really on both sides. Yeah, no, I some bu- crossover.
1: Well, I think if the Democrats were to do that, because right now it's it's you know it's not good for Congress. And I don't think they want to do that anyway. I don't think they're inclined to do him favors. But if they were to do that, the one thing that they would need are major concessions like – We'll do this, but we do need like there'd have to be a power sharing agreement, basically. Sure,
3: yeah, they, yeah, right. You know, yeah, all right. Yeah, I mean, a bridge was just my example, but I mean, yeah, it could be, uh, it, it it could be all sorts of things. But I mean, it would be it would be nice to see that development. Anyway, I, thanks for letting me uh, bring that up, Marcus. And I, I'm curious what what other people can. You know, we'll we'll uh, we we'll, we'll go forward and see what happens. It might be uh, next month before we get a speaker.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you know, when I was like when I was watching Bobert yesterday, she was like, "It's only been two days." Now it's been three days, uh, but she's like, "It's only been two days. This will work itself out." But we're like, I- "I'm not sure." Like, you know, it's funny you using transient. So, uh, Auchincloss use the same word. Um, the
3: the, the door dash the door dash deliveries to the uh, to the chamber, or uh, or, or you know. <laughs> are going uh, gangbusters right now. Yeah,
1: I I I was talking about how I was I've been you know trying to uh, you know getting basically I was talking to one of Keating's um, Keating's uh, uh, com staffers and she was just like yeah uh, I I was asking. You know what? What he thought about this, and she's like, "Yeah, he's still on the floor, actually. So I can't. He's still on the floor, so you know, I, you can't talk to him right now. So
3: people's work. God yeah, bless him. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So
3: <laughs> anyway, thanks, Marcus. Have a great night.
1: You as well. Thank you. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can join. How you can join this evening? Yeah, that's been talked about as like a, the potential of a, sharing, a power sharing agreement. Uh, I talked to Armin Thomas, who's an elections mapper, yesterday from the website Split Ticket. He was saying, you know, from his from what he's gathering, is that there is probably no scenario in which the Dem the Democrats are going to do anything but vote for Hakeem Jeffries, especially now that the narrative is that they're united behind their leadership. And they're united in the direction they want to go to. They're, they want to go in. And the Republicans are not... You know, I, again, it would have to be... Again, there would have to be a power-sharing agreement. Especially now considering that, you know... He'd be subjected to the same sort of whims that with the Democrats as he would with the Republicans at that juncture because they can propose... They can, propose, they can start that procedure that would... Basically get get him ousted as speaker. You know, it's difficult to say because 220, 202 out of, you know, of, out of the 220 some odd Republican members of Congress want him. That's a really strong majority. It's not enough. It's a really, really strong majority. But it seems like Kevin McCarthy has been, you know, basically eating crow for the last 15 years and he feels as though he's earned the job and he wants it. Uh, the question is, is once he gets it, how powerful is it going to be? The, the power of the Speaker of the House is, frankly, it's unparalleled. I guess it's paralleled by the majority leader in the Senate. But it's really, it is really, it's Probably the third most powerful position in the entire government, right? And it's third in line succession to the it's third in line of uh, secession of the presidency. Actually, when this whole um, Bush v. Gore thing was going on, the uh, the federal government was actually working with uh, Dennis Hastert, who was the Speaker of the House at the time, who's in federal prison now for doing some not great things. Well, to put it lightly. Um, he uh, Dennis H- uh, Hastert um, was actually getting briefed he was actually getting briefed in case he had to be the in case this issue didn't resolve by the time January 20 20th, 20th rolled, rolled around they were actually briefing Dennis Hastert and getting him prepared to be an acting president while they would have figured out whether or not. George Bush or Al Gore would be president. So, Speaker of the House is third in line for the uh, to be the president of the United States in case something were to happen to the president and the vice president. So, it's you know it's it's a powerful job, but you know McCarthy's ceding a lot of his power. <laughs> He's ceding a lot of his power to the to the um, to the more extreme elements of of his of his uh, of his caucus, and you got to wonder. You've got to wonder um, if he's going to have any of the real power that a speaker has or is it just going to be he's finally earned the title. He has the gavel, right? He has the gavel. He can bang it around, can say he's the speaker, and he's got to listen to Matt Gates, and Lauren Boebert and Chip Roy. That other guy from Pennsylvania, Frost, about how about who he's got to put on chairman, uh, how, who he's going to chair committees with, who you know what bills he's got, to, what bills can he put on the floor, what bills can't he put on the floor? It's kind of a terrifying prospect. Honestly, it might be better for the country if the Democrats were to split off and 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 do a power sharing agreement so that uh, so that they can get some concessions and maybe have some sway over the, over the house. But I just don't think they're inclined to do it. I also think it's kind of like, this is the Congress, this, these, this is the Congress you voted for, right? This is what you voted for. This is what you're getting. 508 500 is how you can get on the program. Let's, uh, let's take a break.
0: 1420 WBSM is now also on 99.5 FM
4: Strength of America Our values Our way of life hasn't just been one on the battlefield. It's one every day in our communities when we come together, extending hands of compassion, service, and hope to those who need it most. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. It's what the Legion's all about. From blood drives to distributing food, from responding to emergencies and protecting the most vulnerable among us, our mission is making America's community stronger.
0: We
5: are one family, and therefore we care.
4: We are the American Legion, veterans strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org. You've spent
0: all day hearing about the news. Now is your chance to react to it.
4: Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Call Chris and
0: Marcus now at 508-996-0500. Or send a text via app chat on the WBSM app. Now, back to South Coast tonight. Hey,
1: welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrell, 508-996-0500. So you can join me this evening again at 8- 805. We're going to have Dana Ribeiro uh, um, of uh, Vineyard Wind, former Ward 4 City Councilor in New Bedford. We're going to have a current city council New Bedford at nine. Brad Markey to talk about the infamous pay raise vote on the city council that a lot of people have been worry, uh, have been um, have been talking about. That's at nine o five, and at eight thirty, around eight thirty, Adam Bass is going to be calling us. He was live at Healy's inauguration, so. Uh, WBSM contributor, Adam Bass. I had him on two days ago, uh, when he, he had, he had, uh, reported live from Paul Hero's uh, inauguration to talk about his speech. So we're looking forward to that. When we talked to Healy, when I was up in Taunton we uh, got to talk to Healy for a bit. She said she was going to have some more specifics on her plans for, on her plans, uh, for, you know, things like housing and transportation, things that she's talked about in broad strokes during the campaign. And we're, we're really uh, looking forward to hearing that so we can have some stuff to, uh, to talk about, some stuff to break down, and uh, have a conversation here, see if it works. So 508-996-0500, I'm going to take another break. I'll be right back.
5: Good evening. Oh, hello. Hello. Hey. Yeah, I heard this talk about the Speaker of the House, and I remember Paul Ryan, he was Speaker of the House. And they had the House, they had the Senate, and they had the Oval Office. Uh And Paul Ryan twisted uh, Trump's arms off concerning Obamacare to ease up on it and let it be and this and that. Yeah. So anyway, I heard today, which I knew, in March of this year, Paul Ryan became uh, chairman (laughs) over at Fox.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
5: Yeah, and what happened is that Cal Robe hired him. Carl Rove was a close friend of uh, Trump and was, I think, in the Department of Justice for a while. And anyway, Car- Kyle
1: Karl Rove, Rove was Bush's campaign manager and then his
5: Paul senior Trump, advisor. Got, no, no, all right, I'm jumping ahead of myself for the second time. I apologize, but that's right. You're exactly right. So Carl Rove hired Paul Ryan. And, you know, how he's going on. Hey, you know, here's a, here's a code holder, Paul Ryan, who, because of the Speaker of the House, influential position, uh, is a multimillionaire today, and he he's runs Fox you, you got to slow it down, are Paul Ryan gets $300,000. Well,
1: Paul Ryan's, not Paul Ryan's independently wealthy.
5: Exactly, but that wasn't distinguished. It his was dad
1: was a getting. U.S. attorney.
5: It was misleading. Yeah. And uh, Kyle Rove himself makes like 800000 and he does his appearances <laughs> quite often on the Hannity Show in particular, and uh, yeah. Laura Ingram, yep. and, and he cracks out around $1.1 million. Yeah. So that these guys are not running a show. And then he says, well, you know, Hannity uh he sounds just like a wind up toy for uh, Paul Ryan Ryan and it's not like that Hannity when uh, George Soros was going to buy him a contempt i uh, was going to buy fox and it was back in twenty one in the summer summer of love um he, uh, Hannity was told specifically you don't mention you don't mention george soros's name you don't allude to anything, and Hannity got right in line, so this isn't like it's because it's Paul Ryan hannity's hannity's always been in this for the long term and he goes and ratings are good and everything well,
1: so well hannity i mean hannity just goes with the which way the wind is blowing he was anti-trump when yeah. trump first ran he was actually i think he was more of a ted cruz guy a lot of them were um before he trump ran, ran
0: himself
5: differently but you, yeah. you, you picked them out you, you of can see what it is hey i and got, he got some some other, i got some other i got some other can you call back later
1: i got some other calls to get to okay
2: good night
1: great thank you good
2: evening you're live hey good good evening uh did you watch the uh, governor's uh, inaugural speech?
1: I didn't yet. Um, actually, okay. we have a reporter. We have a reporter that's there now. Okay, so he...
2: I'll, I'll try to go quick because I know you're getting near the end of the hour. Sure. Uh, she had a vision of what Massachusetts was about, and her speech was very uplifting. And she mentioned that one of the things that Massachusetts was about when she thought about Massachusetts was the port of New Bedford. Oh, excellent. So maybe, uh, you know, the mayor has some support for her in developing the port the way he wishes to and... Maybe that'll mean something, or maybe it just means the state wants to take over the port of New Bedford. But the, I don't think Mass- uh, New Bedford was ever mentioned in the uh, in any inaugural speech in the past. You know,
1: Baker just just uh, just they just had uh, eighty million dollars from of state money invested yeah. in that port, so okay. I think she's probably going to continue that.
2: Yes, yeah, so, you, know? you know, hopefully so, and hopefully that will bear some fruit, unlike some of the other investments in the past. Yeah. The other thing <laughs> Which was disheartening was the loss of any money for the bridges down there on the Cape. Uh, that t- I, I said it this morning. I'll say it again. That was like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock across the face. You know, and I don't yeah. blame Representative Keating. He's been around, and but I think he have to have a united dele- delega- delegation from the the, the state say hey look you know we need the money for this that 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 area generates a lot of tax dollars uh, if you yeah. have you know Plus some of them
1: have homes have vacation homes in oh, the cape but,
2: yeah, but, but it was yeah. a real slap 1933 franklin Delano Roosevelt was president at the time that thing was done, yeah. and what are they going to wait for? The thing falls down, right. you know. Maybe they ought to get some uh, some uh, boats there that you can ride right on and uh, and and go across by boat. It might be faster, you know. Uh, a really disappointing thing, especially since uh, Biden seems to reward his friends. I think Massachusetts has been friendly. They needed money to uh, beat uh, Herschel Walker, and they had a fundraiser up here. And the, yeah. the return they get is a slap in the face like this. And I compare it to Chris Rock uh, getting slapped by Will Smith. <laughs> that, that's awful. That's well, awful. We'll Massachusetts is to... staunchly democratic, mm. okay. and you can't get the president of the United States by Warren and by Maki to intervene here and tell the, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the, the Army Corps of Engineers, hey, that's a priority. Get that done. Yeah. I mean, we're loyal you know... Democrats in Massachusetts.
1: Awful. I'll have to ask. Um, I'll have to ask Congressman Keating again. We have some plans well, to get him on as soon as he gets becomes Congressman the, Keating again. again I, want, I, I do want, want to, ask to ask him about that
2: on him. It takes that's his delegation. district, though. We I can know, ask him. I know, but it takes a Massachusetts delegation and support to put pressure on. How about Marty Walsh saying something to him? He got a job because he supported. The, yeah, you know, a
1: little bit out of his purview, but
2: uh, well, it's still you know, it's for Massachusetts that area. If you get people down there, easily will generate a lot of tax dollars for the state and yeah. the state. It's it's to me it was a major disrespect shown to the to the democrats of massachusetts
1: yeah no i agree and i think it's something that they probably have to address it might be a little more difficult now that they have a minority but i'll, uh, well, I'll you
2: still got a president and the president tells the uh the uh, the army corps of engineers what to do he is the commander-in-chief of course it's by Bi- it's biden's hey, thing there i
1: I'm, I'm you can call back i, I